Welcome back to another episode of the Dear Fathers podcast. I'm your co-host, James Meeks, and I'm here with my boy, Jesse Alex, and we're excited about another impactful conversation we have with today's guest. But before we get into it, always got to check in with my boy first. Jesse, how you feeling today? Bro, I'm good, man. You know, this season has been crazy. A lot of great conversations, a lot of great guests. I'm excited specifically about this conversation, man. This guy's on one of my favorite shows, and then we've also had two other guys from this same show on the pod. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this conversation is going to go. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely excited about this one too, man. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome an amazing father and actor, most recently known for his iconic role as Jerome, Uncle Jerome Saint on uh, Snowfall. Uh, everybody, please welcome uh, Eamon Joseph to the Dear Fathers podcast. Eamon, how you feeling today, bro? What up? My fellas, yo, yo. I'm glad to be here with y'all. Man, yes, absolutely uh, blessed and thankful that you joined us today, man. And, you know, to get these conversations started off, we really like to take it back. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people see you on TV, see you on the big screen now, the movies you've done, the show you've done that's been iconic. But we want to get to know you and take it back to your childhood. So if you could take us back to where you're from and what was your relationship like with your parents and specifically your dad growing up? Yeah, I, mean, I was I grew up in uh, I was born in Queens. I was raised I was I, I was born in Queens. I grew up in Harlem. I spent some time in South Carolina. So it all starts back in Queens, New York, St. John's Hospital. I grew up around Far Rockaway uh, with my father and my mother. They were together at the time. And um, yeah, it was, you know, socioeconomically, it was like a, I'd say, a middle class, not quite, not quite the Cosby's yet. You know what I mean? And <laughs> And um, and my parents split pretty pretty early, so it became a every other weekend kind of situation with my father. But he was always heavily in my life, you know. Still showed up to the, all the teacher parent conferences and stuff, which there was a lot of because I was a bit mischievous growing up. So, um, so yeah, he would he would always, um, but yeah, he, you know, I have another a sister outside of marriage and. And my father made sure that we as siblings knew each other very well and had a sister brother relationship. So although the marriage didn't work out, my father has always been, you know, in my life. Oh, that, that, that's dope, man. Appreciate you sharing that. One thing I will say, man, we've, we've had a lot of actors on the, on the pod and I swear everybody who's in the inter, inter, entertainment it's like mischievous as a child in school. Like, I don't know what the connection is, but like yeah. all of y'all used to get in trouble or something, but no, nah, that, that's cool, man. I'm interested to know, like, you know, you say they split at an early age. At what age did your parents split? And like, how did you take that as a kid? Like going from seeing your dad every day to every other week? You know, hindsight is 2020. So how I see it now definitely isn't how I saw it then. Um, you got more tools to be able to, to rationalize or understand your different emotional places that you were when you were a kid. But as a kid, I didn't really, I didn't even realize that probably some of the behavior stuff stemmed from them breaking up, but I didn't know, I didn't realize that at the time. Um, and of course you getting chastised for it just the same, you know what I mean? Getting that ass beat regardless. So <laughs> it was just like, okay, just toughen up for the ass beatings and keep it moving, you know? Um, and when I say ass beatings, I mean, you know, like spankings or what I <laughs> whippings, yeah. um, but, but, you know, for things that I had done and stuff like that. So I was probably around, 
probably was around five or six when they first started. When they when my father first left, it's hard for me to even remember, but I would say I think it was I was around five or six, and then it was like you know official official you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, it, they never got back together. So, but, you know, in that beginning, you never know if they're coming back together or, you know, it's that little murky stage of not realizing whether this is a long vacation or whether this is going to be the new normal. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, that's, that's helpful uh, insight there. And I think, you know, uh, it hindsight is definitely 2020 because you're able to kind of go back now and pinpoint what were some of the things that you may have been doing or acting out or may have been caused by that situation. Um, and I think that it'll be good for people to hear this who may end up going through their own sort of breakups and things like that. And just making sure that we communicate because I think that's a big thing that we oftentimes miss with our children is communicating actively like what's happening with us, whether a lot of times it's like we're, we're adults, we, won't, we don't wanna bring the kids into the conversation, but not knowing that what we're doing can directly impact them. So the more conversations, the more open we can be with them about that will help them as they kind of navigate life and figure out, okay, this is my new normal. Daddy ain't going to be here every day, but I still got to be on this because, you know, my parents still expect this out of me too. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's generational too, because my parents are probably older than y'all parents. I'm just, I'm just guessing, assuming, but what I'm saying is like that, you know, there was, I know that my parents grew up with the, with the kind of children are supposed to be seen, not heard. Like there was rules to, you know what I mean? Like these old kind of rules to things. And I know that my, my generation was a generation that kind of broke that and was like, you know, it was a, it was a talk back generation. You know what I mean? <laughs> now it's everything, you know, everything's on the table with, with kids. Right. But but I know that my generation was one of the first generation. You see somebody talking back to somebody, you're like, Ooh, oh, and they got away with that. You know what I mean? And I feel like, cause my father would often say, he'll be like, yo, man, you were something when you were, you know, man, you used to give the teachers a fit. They used to do this and that. And, and they was always calling me down at that school. And it wasn't until recently, you know, 40, where I had a where I had a really good conversation with my father about that, and like, wait, hold on, pop, like, cause we don't never deal with the issue that y'all broke up at that time. Yeah, mm -hmm. isn't it a kawinky thing that you know <laughs> that maybe this is where the this is where he'd be like, nah, man, you gave the babysitter problems too. I'm like, all right, maybe you're right, but <laughs> but um. But I do think that there's, I think that kids may not be able to communicate with the same words, but we're definitely, kids are definitely feeling uh, and have an emotional intelligence and know that there's something wrong, something has changed. We often hear about routine and things of that nature. So if you break up that routine, you break up that family structure, it is going to have some sort of implication. Negative, positive, yeah. who knows? I'm not, you know, a doctor, but I'm smart enough to be emotionally intelligent to know that 
loss is, is loss and you're going to feel it is going to mm. affect you in some way. So I remember you, um, I know you gentlemen deal with mental health and, and counseling and things of that nature. I remember because of my behavior issues in school, my, they did have me meet a, like a, a, a therapist guidance besides the guidance, kind of like a therapist to see, like, cause they was about to put me in like a, a school for boys. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was going to have to go which i end up dealing with you know ju like juvie and stuff like that mm. but um they saw it and in my and my parents did have the wherewithal to be like let's go see let them talk to somebody let's see what's going on and i remember at the time i was such a i've been an actor for a long time <laughs> so i remember like going to see the guy i was like i'm about to be on good behavior because i don't know if they about to take me from my parents or something so let me just be chill here and, and you know i remember the highlight of that is the therapist took me to get some ice cream <laughs> but um but you know like i said kids don't know you know mm -hmm. i don't i don't know and I don't really remember if I was opening up at that time or just trying to say the right things. But, you know, this is all a part of a breakup and all a part of just the family dynamic. And and because um, I think most unless your father is abusive or something like that, which my father never was. Um, he was a loving father, um, spoke, spoke courage and spoke promise into me um told me that he loved me often would coach my 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 baseball teams and you know was just really really hands-on uh part of the father committees at my school and you know it just was probably the home dynamic of like you know of once you get home it's just you and mom you know and um so yeah that makes a lot of sense i appreciate you jump, jumping in on that for us so uh, kind of going a little bit further into, you know, you said you've been acting for a long time. So uh, we wanted to know, when did you first realize you wanted to be an actor? Like, was it when you was being bad to sell back in school and entertaining <laughs> people or what happened there? That's when my father would say, he, man, all them, all them alligator tears. Um, I mean, I did start uh, acting when I was parochial school, like elementary um but I probably didn't know I wanted to be an actor until high school when I started looking and seeing that certain sports wouldn't work out. What would I want to do as far as going to college? That's probably where I started realizing around the 10th grade, 10th, 11th grade that like, you know what, this is something that I could do. And as long as I work toward it, I could get better. And, um, it doesn't have the same shelf life that let's say sports or other things may have. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's solid, man. And even at that point, like, it's kind of crazy, like to think like, all right, in 10th grade, you started to think like, all right, I wanted to be an actor. So I feel like most kids is like trying to play sports and doing X, Y, Z, but you said that wasn't working out for you. But like in that time frame, like at school, did you guys have anything going on where they had like, you know, plays that you jumped into? Did yeah. you, Okay, like what was that yeah, they like? They used to you? call me act. They used to call me uh, actor man. They, in my, <laughs> in my, I went to an all boys Catholic school called Rice High School in, in Harlem, and um, yeah, they used to call me uh, commercial man because I used to do commercials and stuff. Mm -hmm. One of my coaches had put me on a uh, had introduced me to an agent that would send 
uh, kids out for like sports stuff. So I played ball and stuff. So I would, it would mainly be basketball auditions or commercials and stuff like that. Um, and, and I grew up in the world famous Apollo theater, National Black Theater, Harlem. Um, so, you know, I had that theater, you know, yeah, if there was any time they were reenacting uh, Marcus Garvey, it was Eamon doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, they, if there was a speech by an excerpt, excerpt by uh, Malcolm X that we got to do for, you know, Black <laughs> History Month, it's Eamon up there. If we, if we, if we doing a, uh, you know, anything, bro, if they were, if they were doing Jesus nailed to the cross, it's Eamon. <laughs> you know what I mean? So actor man. Yeah, actor man. So, uh, you know how you know how you get your nicknames in the hood. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this actor in the face, dude. He be on the commercials. Commercial man. Commercial man. Commercial man. Nah, yeah. for real. Nah, that's solid, man. So, like, let's fast forward, man. Like, like I said before, we got on this call. Snowfall is one of my favorite shows. Like, I love the show so much, man. Been watching it from jump. So let's fast forward to like. You know, you get in the role on Snowfall. I want to know what that was like. And, like, I want to also know, you know, what you were doing right before. Like, you know, were you in anything else or had anything else going on? Like, what, what was kind of that journey like in getting that role on Snowfall? Uh, getting the role, it had come it had come around uh, this, this particular project. There was another iteration of it. So this was my second time sort of being in the mix for it. Mm. And um, I went through the audition process. They have callbacks and you meet with directors and producers and all that. And I went through that. I did chemistry with, with Damson and Angela were the two people I did chemistry with. And, and you know, and then you wait for a while and, and then finally a deal is worked out and, and I became part of the cast. So that was kind of like the, you know, the, the way that it, it unfolded as far as what I was doing before it I'd I'd done I think the job right before it might have been Baywatch mm-hmm. um or I think I did a television movie for like uh TV one right before it too um but I'd done a, a few things um that year and um I think I may have done dope around that time too mm-hmm. So those were kind of some of the projects that I was doing right before Snowfall. Now, going into Snowfall, I know you, um, there was like one iteration of it from a pilot standpoint that came back, did another version of it. When you guys kind of finished up that, the pilot as we saw it, you know, as the audience, did you feel like we got one or was you still like, I don't know what this is going to do? Yeah, I didn't know what it was going to do. I've been through, you know, I've, I've been through some pilots before and stuff like that. I've been through shows that I thought was going to go. Um, yeah, so it was 50-50, you know. We we knew that it was going to be, well, we didn't know anything. But there was a, there was talk that we were going to go to the series. So we kind of knew we would get the first season to uh, show and prove. But we didn't, you know, you never know. You never know in this business. Nothing is guaranteed, no promise. Even if it's sort of in paper, there's always a way for it to, um, you know, for, for, for people to have to pull out. If the, you know, if the money people, or if it just doesn't 
reach an audience or if the network or studio just, you know, just doesn't think that it'll bear fruit is not a good look for the overall programming, then, you know, they could have made a different decision. So we were fortunate that we got a second season and, and third, I think it took probably to the third season for it to really start getting more than just a niche audience. And I think also the fourth season being uh, next day on Hulu helped a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's really dope, man. Um, and I would say, you know, as Jesse pointed out earlier, definitely a big fan of the show. Um, actually sad <laughs> that the uh, the last season is coming up. But I know these things got to end at some point. I wish I could keep it going forever. But um, I had a question for you specifically because I always find it interesting when um, I appreciate the, the art of acting so much when mm. you can step into a role that is basically nothing like who you are on a day-to-day and make it authentic. So kind of like, what did you do to prepare yourself to take on an LA South Central based role being a dude that's from Queens? Like what, what did that process look like to make sure that it was authentic? Oh, uh, what did I do? There's a lot in there, man. But um, what I did was I studied for the last 20 some years, you know, um, that's it. You know, it's just like anything you get what you put in. I put in over 100,000 hours at what I do. So, um, you know, then you get an opportunity to put a lot of the stuff that that I've always wanted to put into into a character. You know, you get you yeah. get the opportunity to to use all that homework, to use all of that and make it seem effortless, to make it seem that it's authentic. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's the, the responsibility. I feel like there's a price to pay every role, uh, for every role that you play, there's a price to pay. And if you, you know, if you pay that price, if you do the homework, if you study the the culture and mm-hmm. the people and you listen to the stories and you let those type of experiences infect you, then you have more fun with the betrayal. I'm not saying whether, you know, cause good and bad is all subjective. Right. So, yeah. but, but you as the artist will have more, will get more out of the role. It'll, you'll get more out of the experience. If you uh, ingratiate yourself with the nuance and the nuisance of, of, of the role and the character portrayal. No, I love that so much because just like James said, like I have an appreciation for like acting and I have appreciation just for like people who are great at what they do in general, because that takes a lot of work and people just see you on the screen. It's like, oh, I want to be an actor, but not knowing that it took, you know, you did 20 years of homework leading up to that role that allowed you to portray that role, how you, how you do. So that's, that's super dope, man. I wanted to ask you this, as far as like your growth from season one to season six, your growth as a man and your growth as an actor, like what, what has that looked like for you? Oh, well, the growth as an actor is probably that you know the character more, the more you live with the character, the more you know it, the more risk you take, the more specificity in in what you do. Um, And hopefully in some cases, the more that you will be featured in the in the show you know because our show is very much an ensemble show that dealt with a lot of different storylines so it wasn't 
Um, it's never been about, you know, Jerome or Jer my character, you know what I mean? I, I support the story. So, um, so yeah, when you, you know, it's kind of like when your number's called being, being able and ready and, and serving the narrative. Um, so that's what the journey has been for the six years. And then as far as personally, yeah, I was able to, uh, I got married. I, I got, I have two children now that all happened. I think I got engaged. Yeah, I got engaged while I was on Snowfall. So I remember like telling some of my cast members that I was going to go uh, <laughs> to, that I was going to um, propose to my wife. Then I remember, you know, getting pregnant, pregnant announcements and, you know, mm -hmm. cast and crew giving presents and all this, a lot of this stuff is, is, is COVID too. It's like during the pandemic. So it's kind of crazy. Um, and then, yeah, having, you know, having my first child and now have a, a three, a three month old boy. Um, so we're still, you know, I've expanded a lot as a, as a man, I've, uh, just as far as family during snowfall. Yeah. That's really dope, man. Um, to just you know hear about about your growth um, as a man, as a father, um, as a husband. I think all of that's amazing, and it's amazing too that you've been able to navigate all of these changes in life and still like it. It appears graceful from our standpoint. Of course, we don't know the ins and outs of what happens on a day to day with you, but it appears very graceful <laughs> that you handed um, the growth that's so there. Funny. A lot of people say that, and and that is something that I think. Um, I think we I don't know where that come from. Like, what makes you say that? Because because what makes you because a lot of people will say like, oh, you seem like, you know, you got the career and family. So it seems and it seems as though <laughs> you're still down to earth. You're still is that is that something that have we had so many bad um, experiences with with actors or entertainers that we feel like they are no longer reachable that we say that i think the media has given us some of that right when you think uh -huh. about you know we ain't never seen you on tmz um we don't see you on the shade room you know what i mean so we don't Got see it. you portrayed in these negative lights um but your star has continued to shine brighter you know every year over the last six years so um, I think it's it's part of that, man. And I think that's also part of why we like to have these conversations that we have on our platform is because we don't ever really talk about even if somebody does have drama, we we don't ever really bring that type of stuff up because we really want to get to know you, the human, what you have going on. We understand like everybody goes through something, but in your case in particular, it just seems like you've you've always had it together. And if it, if you were cracking, we don't know because you hold it together when you're in front of the cameras and walking around doing interviews and things like that so i just think yeah, it's i would say i would say yourself. thank you for breaking that down like that thank you for breaking that down like that um because i don't think that enough credit is given sometimes in whether it's in work or in family a lot of, sometimes people just expect expectation we expect people to be good fathers we expect men to be good fathers. we expect husbands to be good husbands right we we expect um that if you have a job and you're a professional we expect you to be professional we expect you to show up on time we ex expect you not to get duis and and 
we we damn sure expect you not to have domestic violence and we expect these are expectations right but you're right a lot of times the attention is put on the people that are perpetrating these these type of faults that have these faults right um and people fall and people you know deserve a, a right to be able to get up people i do believe that people deserve second chances um i'm a product of second chances i told you how i was when i was a younger man so um but it is kind of cool to to celebrate people for just being the good decent people that they are in life yeah. you know because nice. the negative does get so much more attention yeah. um for good or for good or bad reasons i will say that our, our cast um that's one thing i like about snowfall is that it's not just me mm -hmm. the, you've never seen anything with our entire uh, cast mm -hmm. like our main cast starting from and leading with with damps and idris and you know isaiah john angela lewis michael hyatt carter hudson sergio like no, no there, there's there's nothing <laughs> these are all really great people family people um strong business people professional and and there isn't that type of of drama around us being able to do our jobs and come into work every day and that is a it's a privilege to be in that situation so it is something that you kind of want to talk about and mm. and and kind of exalt because it it's not the norm all the time right. you know and usually other people that act out in different ways get that attention. Yeah. They become way more popular <laughs> um, yeah. than the people that, you know, like a, a young man like Damson, not to harp on this too long, but a young man like Damson comes from another country as a young man in his 20s, right? Young man in his 20s, early 20s. Right. And he comes here to another country and becomes a celebrity overnight and that young man ain't never been calling nobody out of their name he's never been with an entourage destroying something he ain't in the car getting the dui man the most he done did was play a piano with a girl in the room and they started right with a foot with a foot <laughs> a piano key and a foot right so you get what I mean though? Yeah. Yep. Listen, I tell I tell that young man all the time, I'd be like, yo, Damson, I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> At that let's age. Be real. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You ain't slip, you know, you ain't yeah. slipped up in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Too much liquor. I had to fight him. My bad. Right. I, sw I swung. You know, yeah. you ain't you know. Think about all of the things that can ensnare and trap. Um, so anyway, I love to give kudos to people when they live exemplary, exemplary um, examples. Yeah, and, and and you know, so I'm gonna pass that little thing you gave yeah. onto my on onto my little bro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nah, that's solid, man. And you know, our platform is to give flowers to people like yourself who, who, who are living it who are doing it 
thriving in it, man. And, you know, like me and both James both said, man, Snowfall is one of our favorite shows. Um, we've had Isaiah on this season, actually. We had Marcus Henderson on, uh, I think, a oh, few yeah. seasons back. Actually, he's from St. Louis too, so we actually grew up yeah. in the same area. Jenny. I just work. I just worked with Marcus uh, mm. a couple of weeks ago on his okay. show. He, he has a show, um, mm-hmm. Tacoma FD. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. no and then Isaiah, you know, that's my that's my little that's my little brother. Yeah. Isaiah is, a, is such an amazing spirit. Great mm-hmm. brother. For sure, man. And you know, love everything that y'all are all all are doing. I hate that Marcus not on the show no more, but it just had to I know. go how how it went, man. But you know, we want to kind of, you know, uh push the conversation to, to what we really came here for, man. We want to know who are you as as a dad, you know, a father of two. You know, what's that look like for you on a day-to-day? Who are you as a father? Um, as a father, I am ecstatic. Um, as a father, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Um, but I also learn a lot. I learn a lot about myself. I learn a lot about my, uh, my wife. I learned a lot about my parents. You learn a lot about your parents as you become, as you, as you, as you, uh, become a parent and you realize a lot of the sacrifices in a different way. You can see it now It's some old things when they be like, Wait till you have your own, you know, <laughs> you get really that. That's not I used to look at that and be like, oh, that's a threat. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know how some parents is my pops used to hit me with that one. Like, yeah, um, you know, when you it's almost like when you get yours, I hope they give you put you through the same thing that All you right. put me through. Mm-hmm. And I used to look at that as a threat. And be like, All right, if that's a threat, then I'm going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. But um. But truthfully, it's not a threat. It's a promise. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 just a wonderful thing to be responsible for the safety of a developing person that one day will be full-bodied enough that they can handle this themselves. Mm-hmm. So your responsibility is really to give them the tools that they can go out in the world and, and be the full potential that they are. That's really, that's really a remarkable um, responsibility. And um, so I take it as such and and, and I can have fun with it, meaning I can learn some stuff, too, because I'm just supposed to be some guardrails and put some good codes down and tell my story. <laughs> let you know, be be in close proximity, you know, not to, you know, not that you ain't going to bump your head, but I'm a, you know, but to be there and, and, and not to and not to hold the responsibility as a. As, not to use that responsibility that you have o- over your child as a as a as a weapon, not to weaponize it, you know, but to to show a lot of love and patience and let somebody figure it out, you know, and express themselves that that's what I've been learning. But I only have a four year old, you know, and um, and a three month old. So I got plenty of lessons 
plenty of head, plenty of head knocks to come. You feel me? You, you you definitely have a lot of that to come. But um, congratulations on on both your kids and specifically your new baby boy. Um, and then I want you to take it back, man. We have a segment we usually do. It's called Dads and Delivery, um, where we really try to get into the the mental and the physical mindset of a man when he you know is about to have his first kid. Because we oftentimes talk about the woman and what she's experienced. And that's what what they go through in the delivery room is nothing. I mean, it's like it's it's they out there. Ours is like right here somewhere on that. But nobody talks about what it feels like for us. So take us back to your feelings physically, mentally, emotionally in the delivery room as your daughter was being born. Yeah, that's a, just a yeah, it's a it's a it really is a. A um, a sobering spiritual. Um, there are certain things that, um, that men go through in life that you're sort of helpless to in a way that you've never been helpless to it ever before. You know, um, one of the more traumatic, uh, situations like that is, is actually having a miscarriage, um, helpless, helpless, pretty much to helpless I've ever been in my life just you're giving it to God it ain't nothing you can do and so many and so many of us uh as parents deal with even if we do have a child that there may have been complications and things where it's just you giving it to God it may come out one way it may come out the other you're gonna have to deal with that in the long run but in that moment it feels pretty helpless especially as the man right like um it's not you know what i mean like so um as far as like the the delivery i don't know you passed i probably was i probably was i probably (laughs) was like here so i got a story for y'all so i what i do know is i'm gonna tell brothers just eat i don't like giving advice but eat though um like take care of you but I mean, don't be selfish because I, for the dudes that you got to say that to eat for the dudes, other dudes, yo, chill, don't eat. Cause yeah, yeah. So, Cause sometimes guys ain't, you know, focused enough anyway. Don't eat in the room though. Cause she can't eat. And that's a problem. I, I, yeah. They can I only did. have a little, yeah. Yeah. yeah they they only on the little. ice and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so both times I, and I guess that's just my nervous thing. Like sometimes before an audition, I gotta go to the bathroom. Like right before the audition. Like they'd be like, you're next up. I'd be like, sure, I'm good. Okay, you're up. Oh, wait, hold up. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> My stomach's weak right now. So I think I may have that same situation with 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 uh delivery. Cause the minute it's like the contractions start hitting at like five minutes apart. 10, 10 to five, I'm hungry. <laughs> and I'm not hungry for like run downstairs. I'm like, man, what's that chicken and waffle spot? That's, <laughs> that's off for, uh, you think I can make it? <laughs> so both times, um, the last time wasn't chicken, but the first time it was chicken. And, you know, like, and it always is kind of like, because my, my wife had to get an epidural 
So she was kind of calm, you know? So it's like, oh, she good. Like I could just shoot down. And I came back with the chicken and, <laughs> and try. And, you know, now the, the, the actual doctor is there and, and is, we're getting ready to, to, you know, start the, the real work, which is, which is pushing. And, and you know, the t- we've timed the contractions out is, is go time. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave that as a little funny thing for me is that, um, that is part of my thing. I like to get something to eat. I don't know why, right. When them <laughs> contractions is getting closer and closer because I haven't eaten, you know, since the morning or night I've gotten there and tried to take care of the room and put the little, you know, you got little jobs when you're, when you're, when you're that support system is like, Oh, let me make sure the aromatherapy in the room is good. <laughs> Baby, you want the, you want the, the music at a little, which we, what you want to hear, you know, need that little, a little back rub or a little, you know, but not, you, you, you can't do that main thing. You know what I mean? And to see that delivery is just, is just amazing. It's amazing every time to see. And of course, you know, I got the phone up and all that. The doctors is like, you can't do that in here. Like, okay, sure, sure, sure. Still, still getting it, and um, yeah, it's just a beautiful. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing your child delivered. There is nothing, nothing to compare to it. It's a, it's, it's really a, a spiritual, a spiritual moment, and um, yeah, and then from there on, it's like, oh wow. This is my, my, oh, y'all going to let us leave with him? <laughs> like, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you sure? I'll be forgetting my keys places. Y'all sure y'all want to give me, I can't find my wallet right now. <laughs> y'all sure y'all want me to go with homie? Nah, that's, yeah. that's really dope, man. Um, And then a, a follow-up question to that would be, you know, now that you have, one of each you have you had your girl first now you got your baby boy the people want to know is the joseph family done y'all we got two one of each we out or y'all gonna have more kids mm-hmm. i don't know i would think my wife would be like no because it's three months but you know one thing i do know about women they got it's some weird it's some weird like nature has some weird way of kind of making them forget what they went through and they be like oh <laughs> <laughs> I you want to do that again? you when you when you was finished <laughs> it was done it was you was you was nah so yeah i don't know nature has its way so i don't know i like to always leave all possibilities for everything open you know what i mean like mm-hmm. um i didn't know i would have to um i'm ecstatic and and blessed um and my life is forever changed so i don't know I would I know I would be happy just how I am and I know I would be happy if if circumstances change as well you know uh that's cool man you know we're definitely wishing you the best you know either way and if you do you know have another one man like, like you're telling everybody else make sure you get something to eat still so I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm away <laughs> but no nah, that's my thing you know what I mean that's a, no, like, not you know your daddy gonna leave when the, 
<laughs> all right. No, in all seriousness, no, man. Like, you know, you as an actor, being an actor is already like a stressful job, I would assume. It seems very rewarding, but there's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of time that's, you know, taken away from you. And being that you got married and had children in the midst of this, you know, iconic show going on, I wonder how you, how did you balance that, right? Like, as an actor, you probably already had your routine when y'all film being on set, like how did you balance then adding in that husband father aspect of, you know, kind of what you do? Like, what was that like? What was that change up like for you? I'm still learning it, you know, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Um, I just, I just finished, like I was, I told you guys before we came on camera that I just, I'm just, I just left Chicago and I'm doing a project there. Mm-hmm. So I was away from the family, you know, my, my, my youngest is, three months so like traveling ain't really a thing here mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's difficult that's difficult that's that's difficult trying to um a, an actor's schedule like my schedule can can send me to another country or another state mm-hmm. it also could have me in the same city working but working hours that I can't really be a father and you know what I mean? Like I can't, and then there's the material. So it matters the material. Like you said, I know this character, I've been working with him, but if you give me a few episodes where I'm going through something, let's say that's traumatic, that's um, shocking or, or that just d- takes me to a different place emotionally, um, turning that on and off isn't the best way for me to go about. I need to, I need to live. I need to, I need that to linger. You know what I mean? So if let's say I'm doing, let's say I'm, I have a week of work and it's really tough, uh, emotional work. Um, then it's not the best work environment for me to have that on, come home, take it off. Yeah wake up the next morning, put it back on. It's, it's better if, now that doesn't mean I'm walking around like, you know, like a gremlin the whole time, but I'm sort of keeping my energy in a certain place that I can easily access that feeling yeah, for the yeah. next day. Cause it's already enough that I got to take it off between takes and to go home for the, that we had to wrap for a day. You know wow. what I mean? Um, very much so, you know, I got a theater background. So shoot, if I could have lived on the set and lived in that moment, mm-hmm. I would have rather that because now I'm really you not getting off of me what I what's on me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, coming home and then going, Daddy, right? <laughs> that's 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 <laughs> been that's been interesting. But you know, you learn to we're, we're adaptable as people and as artists, and and you learn to annex that and and do uh but given the choice especially for that type of work seclusion seclusion and then that's the type of stuff that also starts influencing you to for the type of work that you do too it starts making me like yo i, w- I want to do some kids stuff you know what i mean because <laughs> right. then i don't got to step out of you know if anything it becomes a 
it becomes a um, a benefit of, ha- yeah. of having children, you know, with the lighter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. And I want to ask this because, you know, you talk about it being such a layered thing and kind of stepping in to a character and then having to step out and doing, you know, X, Y, Z. Like you mentioned earlier in the conversation, you know, when you were in high school, seeing a counselor slash therapist. Um, and I, as we talked about before we got on this call, like we're really big about mental health here with our straight mental initiative. Do you still see a therapist to this day to kind of at least have some type of balance in between that? Like somebody to talk I, to who's not your family or not the cast or not. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I could use it though. I could use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could use it. Cause I do say that, you know, is a way to get in a character and a way to get out. You know, it's a price to get in and then there's a price to get out. And I don't know if all the time you're able to separate that. Um, or at least you think you can, you are. Right. But you know what I mean? But someone else may see the residual mm-hmm. of something on you. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that I could probably just like everybody could probably use that that tool um, of someone having a more objective way of looking at, at you mm-hmm. and, um, and reassessing, you know, just where you at and being able to talk out certain things. I think that that's value, very valuable. Um, but do I have a person right now or do I'm, am I talking to a therapist right now? No. That's understandable, man. Like I mentioned before, man, you know, our platform, we focus on, helping black men in that area. So we have a network. We have networks of guys, black men, black women in LA. So, you know, if you ever want to tap in, just hit us up, man. We can connect you with somebody, even it's just to have a conversation, man. We always are supportive, supportive in that space. So just, yeah, I'm, I'm, open. I'm definitely open to it. So I'll do that. That's dope, man. Um, and then so one other part about this, you know, the fatherhood segment that we like to do, it's, um, it's something we call dear father. Um, and it's, if you could write a, a hypothetical letter to your father, starting with dear father, what would you say? Mm, dear father, you are an amazing man. You gave me so much. Uh, you was very intentional about the way that you raised me. You undeniably, unconditionally have loved me and given me discipline and you're still father until this day. Um, yeah, I love you and I hope to be anywhere near the type of father you were to me, to my children. Nah, that's, that's amazing, man. And we appreciate you sharing that. That's one of our favorite parts of just having this conversation, man, because, you know, some people know what that, you know, letter will look like. Some people just are still writing that letter in a sense. So I'm sure your pops. It'll forever be, you know be written i i think you know when you're younger you feel like fatherhood is like it cuts off (laughs) like you know what i mean you think Mm -hmm. that parenting cuts off at 18 or 21 these you know like because you are emancipated in some way or something but man the that's truthfully the lessons ain't even start yet 
right. the, the parenting that just got you to the place where you are able bodied mm-hmm. hopefully got the right type of cleanliness and godliness and and you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you you got the foundational stuff mm-hmm. the real yeah. parenting parenting comes way after that mm-hmm. when the lessons start appearing in front of you and you have to make choices decisions as an adult thus when you know so you know i'm being parent my my father is still parental with me he's still teaching me and you know Mm -hmm. no that's i literally just had that same conversation like a few weeks back when i was hanging with my fam my grandma we was playing some game and my grandma was basically saying you you only raise you know your kids when they're children or mom was like no like you still or a parent to this day, like and my, my mom was telling my grandma, her mom, like, no, you're still, you know, parenting me, whether you, you know, think you are or not, like you're still you're still parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, there's so many, there's so many. And guess what? I don't care where you at. Your parents still worry about you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You're right. They still have the well-being. You know, is it the day to day moment, the moment of when you were when, when you couldn't walk or talk or, you know, or couldn't feed yourself? No, of course not. But there's still that, that responsibility. There's still that accountability. And as we mature, that becomes even bit more expanded because it, it lives on through your grandchildren. It lives on. And then there's a part where there lives on that legacy of, remembering their story, keeping their story intact to be able to tell your generation and your future generations, you know? Yeah. And the fact that they will have to parent you into their, as they lose mm-hmm. the physical, you know, the, this physical side of, of our experience, there's still a parenting in that. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy, man. Life is beautiful, but it's, it's complex. So, yeah, that parenting don't look like it's ever going anywhere. Now, a lot of my homeboys that I see, you know, that end up not working out with, they, with the mothers and fathers um, often think like, yeah, you know, just pay this up to 18 or 21. And then it's like, bro, right, that's just when it starts. You're going to see right this there. person for the rest of your life, bro. Right. When this I'm, person I'm... graduates from when your when your child graduates from college, you go see this person. When your child is married, you're going to be walking down aisles with this person regardless, regardless. you know, regardless. When you have a grandchild, you're going to be in that mm-hmm. grandchild's life. And that person is going to be, this is for good. This, these, that decision you made back in the day <laughs> is a long, has long lasting effects. It and um, with you. I think if we saw it like that more not that we wouldn't make the choices or decisions that we made up top. That just was going to happen. But I think we would treat the relationship with the, with the you know, significant other that is no longer significant mm-hmm. <laughs> or seemingly non-significant that mm-hmm. they aren't, that they still are significant and, mm-hmm. and that treat it with respect because it's going to be a relationship that's going to have to endure for the mutual thing that you love still you know yeah for sure man no that's that's definitely all facts there and you know i feel like this has been a very impactful convo getting to learn about you as a black man a father 
talking more about Snowfall, your career, how you got started, your upbringing, man. This has been therapeutic for me to learn more about you. And I say that all the time on this, but that's really what it is for me is like being able to learn about somebody that I'm watching on screen play this amazing character. Now I know more about who you are just as a human being. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing or why we started this podcast is to humanize guys like yourself, because like we said earlier, People don't normally ask you, you know, about who you are as a black man or father or mental health and the balance of it all. So we appreciate you for opening up and, you know, just, uh, you know, being transparent about your journey. But before we get out of here, man, we want to kind of lighten the mood a little bit with a few rapid fire questions, man. Like we're going to give you a this or that. You got five seconds to to answer them um, and we're just going to kind of keep it moving. So first one, Brooklyn Nets or New York Knicks? Come on, the Knicks, man. Knicks. You want KD to go to the Knicks? No, I'm just playing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> when you, who you like? You want KD too, right? Who you like? Who your team? Uh, don't ask him his Yeah, team. don't he ask him. I do Send have a KD team. to the Lakers, though. He, well, he switched he ain't got no, he ain't got I grew, no team. Oh, he wants those. I grew up a Lakers, Lakers fan. fan. So you're well, a Lakers I'm a, fan. I'm a, I'm a hey, 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 hey. fan. No. See, I don't ride. I don't just hey, ride. Hey, hey. I don't just ride with logos on jerseys, man. The teams change, the ownership change. Like, uh, you know, yeah, Warriors playing now, bro. The ownership, bro. Oh, man, <laughs> like, you ain't never changed no team because of the ownership, bro. Man, I changed. I changed my team based on the players on the team. If you I don't like the players, oh, you started. All right, I'm saying based on the hard times they go through. That's basically, <laughs> basically. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm out of there. Five years, y'all ain't doing nothing. All right, I'm out. But no, I could, I commend y'all. You know, Knicks fans, and you know, we 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 hanging tight. We taking our lumps. Yeah, all right, keep it going, man. Training day or American Gangster? Training day. All right, that's a okay. So a better leader on Snowfall. Who's the better leader? Leader, Louis or Franklin? The better leader. They both want to be at the top. Hmm, I'm not answering that. Ah, Jerome, okay. nigga. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm not answering that. Football one, man. Lawrence Taylor or Aaron Donald? Woo. LT. But LT. dang, that's nice. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, Jay-Z or Nas? Ooh, you disrespectful today. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm going to go with Nas from Queens, right? He's from over there, right? Is he from Queens? Yeah, Nas from Queens. Jay from Brooklyn. Okay. This is <laughs> Jay. I'm gonna go with Jay. I'm gonna go okay. with Jay. But yeah, it's, it's a horrible question. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's dope, man. I think uh you can't go wrong with any of the answers. We like to put you on a tough spot, make it hard for you, but definitely appreciate you uh you uh joining in on that one and then to kind of get it wrapped up, man, as Jesse said, we enjoyed the conversation, but we want to let you, we want you to let people know how they can follow you on social media and tell them what's next for you. Um, as far as social media, Eamon Joseph, A-M-I-N-J-O-S-E-P-H, pretty much wherever you at, I'm, I'm probably there. And then next for me is I have a film coming out this weekend called The Royal. It's about this baseball player named Willie Mays Aiken. He played for the Kansas City Royals back in 80. They went to the World Series. He hit back-to-back home runs in the World Series in two separate games and has a record for that. His his bat is at Cooperstown in New York. I was able to actually touch it. Um, 
But a few years after that, he got the largest mandatory minimum drug sentence for a professional uh, major league player. Uh, 24, he was sentenced to 24 years in prison for selling rock cocaine to an undercover police officer. The film is about him coming back to his, you know, serving his time after prison reform. He got out in about 12 years and him rededicating his life to the right things, you know, God and family, community. Uh, so it's a film about second chances and redemption. It's called The Royal. You can catch it on, um, you know, VOD platform. It's in some select theaters if you're in the right cities um, this uh, July 15th. Oh, that's dope, man. Definitely got to check that out. Um, you know, we love to hear about anything, you know, guests are doing and what they have coming up. So, of course, we're going to support the movie The Royal this weekend. Also going to be supporting Snowfall. We can't wait to see what y'all have in store for this next season. Like I said, it's bittersweet. Uh, knowing it's the last one, man, but definitely excited to see what y'all cook up because you haven't let us down up until this point. So, again, bro, I just want to say thank you for uh, for tapping in with the, the Dear Fathers podcast. You know, really appreciate appreciate you. Jesse, you got anything you want to finish up with? Nah, man. Um, as I said before, man, I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation today and learn about you, man. Definitely grateful and uh, going to continue to support watch everything that you're on. And like I said, just want to give you your flowers today, man. And, and praise you on being just a great actor, but then also being, you know, um, a great father and, and husband as well. So we salute you. Big love. I'm Aya Tometi. I'm sure you've heard the saying, but it really does take a village. That's why I chose Kinley, a financial services company proudly built for black America. Together we create solutions. Go to B-E-K-I-N-L-Y dot com to download the app today. Standard data rates from your wireless service provider may apply. The Kinley Deposit Account is established by Central Bank of Kansas City, member FDIC. The Kinley Visa Debit Card is issued by Central Bank of Kansas City. Consult the deposit account agreement and fee schedule for complete details. Time is money and I'm working on that Richard Mill. It's up to me to drop the ball like I'm finna...